Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello and welcome to the Wisdom Ashes Daily Podcast coming to you after the fourth day at Lords. English England finished the day 114 before, still needing another 257 runs to win. I'm Yazrana and I'm joined by Phil Walker. Phil, another topsy turvy day. England did really well to restrict Australia after going all in on that short ball ploy. They took the final eight Australia wickets for 126 runs to give themselves an unlikely but not totally unreachable target of 371. Uh, You're hedging your bets there, mate. But, but then Stark and Cummins blew the England top order away. Four wickets with a new ball to leave Australia well on top despite evening runs from Duckett and Stokes. Phil, when, when Duckett plays that extremely weird shot off Cam Green late in the day, just after he's got to 50, it looked like it was over and done with. But that catch by Stark was eventually deemed not out by the TV umpire. Um, Glenn McGraw was apoplectic on the BBC radio. But the laws, I think, are pretty clear. I think that's not out, but you disagree. Oh, we're just going to reduce ourselves talking about the, the Duckett wicket straight away. Um, look, as far as as far as I saw it, he had complete control over the ball. It was a little bit dozy, to say the least, to allow this sort of ambiguity to creep in. But if the Stephen Smith wicket was catch was given when he uh, took Joe Root's wicket yesterday or the day with God knows anymore, uh, and if the Cameron Green catch from the first test counts as well, where both appeared to me pretty clear cut that some contact had been made with uh, ball to ground. Then if those two are given, and this one isn't, where the motion or the control of the catch was most established from the stark one compared to the other two, uh, and while, as I say, he was a bit bit silly, um, I think it was such an afterthought what was happening by that point because he'd already taken the catch and was he'd almost moved past the motion, past the moment of, of recognition when you do catch it, and into almost the, the relaxed moment where you're, contemplating them being five down it was such a such a large gap right Mm. between the ball going in comfortably enough and then this dozy moment there was Mm. such a such a big moment for me Mm. space of time between the one the one and the other I think they were two separate things I don't see it as the one the one motion I don't see it as as was the case with Stephen Smith I felt like he needed Mm. to use the ground in order to retrieve re-retrieve control of the ball and if you remember it rolled up his arm and he finally managed to pouch it somewhere in his belly uh there was more of a question mark against that one although I, I would have given that one too so look I haven't read any social media I was on the I was on the commentary at the time I might be barking up the wrong tree here ultimately um let's not reduce what's been an extraordinary day's yeah. cricket to 
you know, well, he said, she, I think this, you think that, blah, blah, blah. Uh, I'm just going to run through the law quickly to get it out of the way first. I read the law myself. 33.3, right? But, but the, the listeners uh, won't be aware of it. Uh, so law 33.3 reads, the actor making a cat shall start from the time when the ball first comes into contact with a fielder's person and shall end when a fielder obtains complete control over the ball and his and her movement. So I, I guess third umpire Erasmus probably has interpreted that as saying that Stark hasn't completed control uh, of the ball with also having control over his own movement. And there was a very, very similar example in a T20I between New Zealand and Bangladesh a couple of years ago where exactly the same thing happens with Carl Jameson. He basically catches the ball and then puts the ball onto the ground after having caught the ball and the umpire deemed that Jameson didn't have full control over his movement when he did that. Um, and I think that when the Green and Smith ones that you talk about, I think the TV umpires are essentially saying in those moments that the ball hasn't touched the ground. I disagree with them with that, but I think that's what they're saying. So if you disagree with them with that, uh, do you disagree with those wickets being given? Those? Yeah, I, I think so. I think the ball. I think the ball. So you has think all, the all three should I think not all, have been all, given? Yeah, I, I, that's what I think. I think. I think quite often it's touching the ground when the umpires don't deem it to be. Anyway. Back to the real cricket. I tell you what, it did do. It whipped <laughs> the patrons up. It really did. Yeah, it really did. It, it had um, it had echoes of Birmingham for the first time in what's been a strangely quiet and subdued cricket match. Uh, it got everybody going. And look, from a pure theatrical perspective, it's a good result because people, idiots like me, will turn up tomorrow morning and not be able to shake that stupid voice that irrational silly voice in the back of your head saying well hold on if this happens and if that happens and if they get a bit of luck here and they get a bit of luck there and if stokes does a pulls out a stokesian and i hate that voice Hmm. because it's it's based it's groundless it's broadly groundless as far as i understand it but with that reversal that weird reversal at the end of the day there's still a chance there is still Still objectively a small vanishingly small but nonetheless legitimate chance there's a point in the day not to be too dramatic where I feared not just for England's Ashes chances, but I feared for the future of Test cricket. Uh, in that I thought teams will never ever pitch the ball up with the old ball ever again. England went three hours without bowling a single full delivery, and it was a very successful three hours, eight for 126. And given how Australia uh, was so successful, the short ball point early in the game, I was like, this, this is it. And it was not quite unwatchable, but not far off. It was so dull that period uh, at the start of the lunch session uh, mm. afternoon session mm. where England were bowling short to carrying green carrying green were having none of it the game was going absolutely nowhere um what why do you think we've seen so much of the short ball in this game well this is a really big question because are we seeing a fundamental gear shift in the tactics and strategies of test cricket to reflect if you like a little bit more one day cricket um with three or four men out on the boundary being standard digging it in, slower ball bounces as well as as chin music, all the rest of it. Or is this broadly a one-off in response to a quite eccentric pitch in some ways that was up and down with indifferent bounce from the start? It's not been uh, a bad pitch as such in that we've got here to day five. We've had had runs. We still have all three or four four results theoretically Mm. possible going into day five. So the pitch has been fine, but it has been quite unusual. And perhaps... If we're being charitable, it's been a reaction to that. And if there is indifferent bounce, then you see top edges from players mm. that would otherwise you'd imagine that they would they would roll their wrists on it. With Steve Smith getting out to it, which you'd never imagine Steve Smith would, would get out to um, to that obvious ploy, 
then perhaps that indicates that the the pitch has dictated the strategy. Mm. Yeah. Um, but it, but we shall start to see. One thing you are right. It was almost unwatchably awkward. Mm. Uh, that six over period. I assumed that they were trying to just suck those six overs out of the game and then go to Anderson and Broad as a last hurrah. We could come to that if you like. Uh, with the new ball, they didn't do it. Mm. Stokes Stokes did. He, he reprised his his role to, to an extent mm. from Headingley, where he bowled, I think, eleven on eleven or twelve on the spin, uh, not quite as dramatically, but still yeah. with that sense of jeopardy because you could see how he was grimacing and wincing. And Robinson, I thought, bowled a very very good spell as well. In, in that nine moment, overs for seven in that moment, and it was nasty, brutish, and short. And it was um, fearfully and soullessly effective. And I think I think there are a few other things going on there. You've got the team selection, England going in with five seamers, which means that um, these guys can keep doing it because they won't have to bowl another spell for a very long time. Um, Stokes also quite likes to really bowl his his bowlers into into the dirt. So he obviously bowled the 11-12 over spell, but Ollie Robinson bowled a nine over spell. Josh Tung bowled a nine over in spell. In the morning. And also, as you touched on, I thought it was actually really impressive how accurate they were. Um as you, as you saw actually at the end of the day, that Australia bowled a few wides doing it. They sometimes bowled two balls over shoulder height quite early in the over, which restricted their options late in the over. I thought it was actually really impressive what England did. And also the other thing, which might be the more long-term tactical trend. I think England have been guilty of using the short ball in the past and not having the field to really reflect it. They kind of half arse it. They have two men out on the leg side. Whereas this time, completely all in. So if there's a, if there's a top edge, they're much more likely to get wickets through it. Um, but yeah, it'll be interesting to see uh, how that... Uh, carries out over the rest of the series. There were some dull periods, sure, but that little passage when Lyon hobbled out was, was oh. good fun. Yeah, it was quite a moving experience, in truth. Um, if Ashes cricket is spectacle, first and foremost, and if you're looking to just add another line or two to this endless epic, then people who were here... I've got a friend here, actually, who who's here with his wife today, and they've started making a bit of a habit of coming here um, and I thought of them because uh, they're not new cricket fans, but they're still learning some of the depths of, of, of what this madness is, right? And seeing that, seeing him walk down the steps, aided as if he's James Brown in his final moments, his whole entourage just helping him down onto the stage, having to wait on the steps because he knew as and when Hazelwood, I think it was, would, would, would be dismissed. He wouldn't be able, he'd be timed out. He wouldn't be able to make it in time. So you're already seeing that. Stark ran off. So when Hazelwood was out, Stark ran off, thinking, right, get the get the pads off, crack on, hmm. only to see this this chap uh, emerge. And when he batted really well, by the way, yeah. <laughs> when, when he when he hit that pull shot for four, and M- I, I, moment I, of the day, moment of the day, moment of the series, and the crowd went berserk, right. I was going to say, you, you talked about the crowd reaction to the, the duck it, catch, no catch at the end of the day. I thought the crowd really uh, kind of woke up for the first time this right. test match when Lyon came out. Get yeah. that standing ovation to Lyon just literally hobbling down the, down the steps out of the pavilion yeah, was, was it, actually the moment that woke them up for the first it time. It was a great moment. The, the, the maddest moment of the day, I would say, would have to be when Stark hit it out to the grandstand. Yeah. Ray, Ray and Ahmed took an yeah. amazing one-handed catch like a... The, the the backhanded claw catch, a bit reminiscent of Stokes against yeah. South Africa in 2019 in the World Cup. Managing the process as we see regularly now, but it's still remarkable. Managed to flick it back. Meanwhile, Nathan Lyon has given it up. Uh, 
and is now mid-pitch as the ball is now heading back and he has to try and stumble over mm. the line, stuck in no man's land and collapses in a heap afterwards. Single, end of the over, move on. Just a mad little mini passage of play. Mm. Rousing stuff. Uh, and spoke actually of Australia not f- fearing that they didn't have enough, that every single run mattered. Uh, and again, that is a... that's a you doff your cap to what Stokes, his team managed last year, chasing 370 against India and so on and so on. And so they needed all the runs they could get. Uh, and that 15 runs in the context of it won't be important, I don't think. But it, it's, it demonstrates just how much nip and tuck this series mm. is, even though we are looking at the likelihood of 2-0 up, 3 to play. I know England got form for producing remarkable things in the fourth innings under Stokes, but I think this would be trumping the lot of them. And, you know, if you're looking for differences between the two sides, that new ball burst from, from Stark and then Cummins following him up. Right. So- England England have just not really had that threat with the ball all series. Um, I mean, from an English perspective, I thought that Cummins ball to Brook it was reminiscent of Cummins' ball to Root at Old Trafford in 2019 and it had quite a similar effect, I think, on the English mood. It was very deflating. They're like, right, I know we've still got Stokes and Bairstow to come, but there's very, very little after it. Yeah. it, it I think this, yeah. this would be off the charts compared to the stuff that England achieved last year. Yeah, look, however much we can theorise and deconstruct the Stokesian era and however quickly people can react and then uh, turn their back on it and you're going to get that and however much there's legitimate criticisms regarding the hubris, the arrogance of certain moments and the, 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 the game sense ineptitude in this game in particular at certain moments, nonetheless, there is no compensating for the golfing class between their champion bowlers who are in their absolute prime and our bowlers. There is no, you can't compensate for that. Mm. If you have those two plus Hazelwood, uh, that is a, that's an all-time trio. Mm. Uh, England have two champions and they have in Robinson a very good young seamer uh, and they've got a tearaway quick who impresses me more and more. But we can't escape the fact that Jimmy Anderson's currently is not the bowler that he was. He knows it himself. You can see it in his body language. He's dropped two catches. He's laboured in the field and he's taken three wickets for 200 and plenty, um, one of which was a ranked long hop. Which and, was, and was barely turned to today. Yeah. And Broad again, who, who's, who's probably been England's pick across the two games overall. He wasn't looked at for the first 80 minutes today either. Um, the, the, the golfing class and where they are in their respective careers, we can't, you can't get round that. Mm. So if you are looking for a, a defence of baseball, awful word, if you are looking for a defence of it, it is trying to compensate for the clear difference in class and golf mm. in class mm. and so perhaps you need to be thinking outside the box in order to try and uh see if that can do shrink that gap mm. um finally andrew asks any comforting Chaz and dave quotes for us today right well that is the kind of question um that really r- really gets me going yes as you know so right fir- the first thing we thought obviously is from ain't no pleasing you probably they're, they're classic i would say they're 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 their standout classic, their their anthem. I'm not going um, to offer much. To no, this no, you just not not along. Yeah, yeah. You had me where you wanted me, and you went and blew it. Right. So if you want a summary of English, English cricket's latest psychodrama, right, then you can do worse than that. I've had a bleed enough of this. That's another line. Andrew asked for comfort. Well, 
no doubt, if if I were to put these these to Stokes, he he would say, well, firstly, oh, darling, there ain't no pleasing you, which is a fair comment mm-hmm. against yeah. English I, English I think that is fair. Uh, I think that is fair. Ever uh, fractious um, fan base, um, and look. They're only ever going to double down, folks. So, look, if you don't believe what I say and you think I'm bluffing, you've got another thing coming. I'll tell you that for nothing. <laughs> Excellent. Uh, well, that's it for today. Cheers, Phil. We'll be back tomorrow. England need 257 on that final day. Australia needs six wickets. We'll be back when it's all over. It can be done. It won't be, but it can be done. Podcast Network.